Liz, I have an important question. What is it? Should we play hooky and go see Downton Abbey? Oh my God, <laughs> yes! <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this week's episode, we're going to answer all of your questions, because this is a very special listener questions episode. Even this week's Hollywood hack is from a listener, and it's one I wish I had had at the Natural History Museum the other day. But before we open the mailbag, I want to remind everyone that my sister Gretchen Rubin and I are on tour this fall with our show, Happier Hour with Gretchen and Elizabeth. We are having so much fun. I have to say it's a great girls' night out. It's a great mom's night out. It's a great office night out. (laughs) Whatever kind of night out you want to have, it's a good opportunity. And I hear you show embarrassing slides, which I'm like, how can I miss that? I'm going to have to go to one of these shows. And Gretchen plays the ukulele? She does. Not well, but she does play. (laughs) So come see us and bring your friends. Tickets are now available for Kansas City, Chicago, Providence, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. You can get all the information and links to buy tickets at GretchenRubin.com slash events. Okay, let's dive into the questions. Let's start with a couple podcast-related questions. Suzanne wrote, how much editing happens with the show? It feels like you guys are just hanging out having coffee. Also, I feel that I could easily join you guys sometime. Uh, Well, this is a very good question, and this is why we thank our executive producer, Chuck (laughs) Reed, every episode. Because we do things like that. Yeah, see, I just cleared my throat. Chuck (laughs) would usually take that out. So how much editing is done? It depends. I mean, sometimes we go really long, and so there's more editing that needs to be done because we want to try to keep the episodes about 30 minutes. Right, like if we have an interview with somebody and we're really interested, we might lose track of time, and then we have to chop stuff out even if we love it. Yes, but for the most part, Chuck just makes us, he takes out all the ums and ohs and when we clear our throats and all of that. And um, when we drink our coffee, because we, we are our coffee, usually drinking yes, coffee or yes, tea, that's yes. true. So it's quite laborious for him, um, but for us, it's it's not laborious at all. <laughs> and then Michelle asks, do you feel your podcast has helped or hindered your writing career in any way? Well, this is an interesting question. We actually talked about this in episode 122 when we were discussing how skills can be transferable. Mm -hmm. We were encouraging everyone to develop skills that they could then use in other parts of their lives. And we believe the podcast has really helped our pitching ability. Yes. And then has it sort of helped or hindered us in like a larger way? I mean, I think it's possible... I don't know, in sort of nebulous ways that we can't define, it may have helped us by increasing our profile in certain Mm -hmm, ways. I think there are more people who are 
trying to be writers in L.A. who would know about us because of the podcast. So hopefully they can hire us someday. Yes, so that could be very helpful. (laughs) Um, And there may well be people out there who have listened to the podcast and been like, oh, my God, I hate them. I never want to work with them. So it could have hindered us in that way. Although those people likely would have met us and not wanted to work with us anyway. So I don't worry much about that. I hope it hasn't hindered us. I know. I'm going to go with... uh, I think it's just helped. I think so, too. You know, it does take time, obviously, but we've never felt like it interferes with our writing. No, and in fact, in a lot of ways, and I think we've talked about this, too, like in a lot of ways, we feel like it helps us focus in a way that actually increases our productivity. Yes, because we're more aware of sort of where are we in the cycle of our work and what issues are we facing and how can we better address those issues. Yeah. Yeah. So all positive. Yes. Yay. Yay, podcast. (laughs) Um, Now, Sarah, Jennifer had a question about our friendship. She said, how do you stay friends at work and in real life? I have had real challenges in friendships, including abrupt endings, betrayals, unresolved misunderstandings, and one-sided mine, sustaining of contact. My best relationships are with friends that are much older than me. Do you have a way to handle disagreements, and do you get tired of each other? Thank you. This is such a good question. I know, it is. I mean, part of it is just time, don't you think? It's just, we've known each other for so long yeah, at this since point. since we were 14, I yeah. think. With, it's inertia. Yeah, I mean, in <laughs> friendship in general, I was just saying to you the other day, not even related to this, that uh-huh. I realize I'm drawn to sanity. Uh. And I think if you're someone who's drawn to sanity, your friendships are much more likely to sustain. Yes. I think if you're someone who's drawn to people who are drama queens or who have a lot of other, like if you have a friend and that friend has a lot of issues with people, likely they'll end up having an issue with you. Yes. So I think it's all about in sort of picking the friends. Yes. Um, the other thing about us, aside from our obvious common interest in this job <laughs> we have, um, I mean, we've always had common interests. Yes. So, you know, I think that helps. Yeah. Do we get tired of each other? I mean, yes, sometimes. It's more like if we're just tired of working. Exactly. um, Then we're tired of each other. Right. There will be times when we're just kind of sitting in our office like, okay, here we are. What's next? Yes. And I think it probably feels like being tired of each other when, in fact, it's just, oh, boy, More of this. We're just kind of tired. Yeah, I will say that we often don't socialize at all on the weekends. Partly that's because we have kids different ages, but also I think— And different genders. And different genders. Which I hate that that matters, but it does. Oh, it does, yeah. But one thing about working together, though, is I do think, like, whenever we're together, there's some sort of work aspect to it. So it is nice to kind of not see each other, because when we're not seeing each other, that's when we're really— not working. That's true. And then it's like our friendship makes the work part the vast majority of the time more fun. Yes, much more fun. Yeah, she's asking about friends in general. I really think it is in the choosing. And if someone isn't, like she said, she has one-sided contact, I mean, you know, I think move on. Yeah. But I do think if you're in a group with someone like a book club, all those kind of things really build strong friendships. Yeah. And I also think the two of us just talking about the sanity thing. Yeah. We very much, both of us have that sensor. 
Yes, you we know, do. like we do. we'll we'll both get that like beeping uh, light, shining light, yes. flashing in our eyes yes. whenever someone who has that yes going on, and we're both like, okay. In fact, we once had a very close friend, and we said to each other, "Oh boy, now we see that this is not going to end well." Yeah. <laughs> One day, this person is just going to stop speaking to us, and we probably won't know why. But it will happen. And sure enough, like a year later, we never heard from her again. Yep. And that was it. Yeah. But luckily, we were prepared. Exactly. Um, but it's hard, Jennifer. I think everybody struggles with friendships, you know, and wanting those close friends. So yeah. keep at it. Yeah. And then Emma wrote, I would love to hear how you deal with household management, child care cleaners, et cetera, while you work. Well, I mean, we have help. That's the big thing. Yeah. We both have full-time nannies. We couldn't do what we do without that. Absolutely not. No. We have someone who cleans our house once a week. That's very necessary. I will say one, I am not domestic. I'm sure people have heard me say that before. So one of my weaknesses is definitely keeping stuff clean and organized at home. Um, my husband would like me to be much better at that. Yes. And I find that as an only parent with, sort of no one to watch Violet or take Violet somewhere or do something with Violet on the weekend to kind of give me an hour to straighten or right. to do whatever kind of house maintenance stuff needs to be done, I end up living in more chaos than I would like. Mm. And then, like, having a solid day where I just, like, work on the house. Yeah. Um, but that just doesn't happen very frequently. So I just accept that at this time in my life yes. when Violet needs a lot of focused attention, my house is not as tidy as I would like it to be, and that is what it is. Uh, yes, and, and life goes on. Yeah. Yeah, I am lucky because Adam is extremely involved in everything related to Jack and our house. I mean, he is not one of those husbands that's like, oh, the wife does everything. Yeah. Absolutely not. He's the opposite. If anything, I fall more into that. Yeah. And Violet's uh, nanny, I also have to say, keeps us afloat. Yes. You know, well, and I she mean, makes your dinner. Yes. Which is really helpful. Oh, my God. Massive. Absolutely massive. But I think everyone struggles with this, especially moms. Oh, God, yes. Um, it helps, as always, if you can afford help. Yes. You know. Yeah. And I never feel guilty. That's the upside of being an only parent. I never feel guilty about getting help, asking for help, all yeah. of that. Yeah. And no one else should either. No, you shouldn't. Okay, Sarah, Andy says, I listen to your podcast as a, quote, outsider. Though I grew up in L.A., I no longer live there and have nothing to do with the industry. I feel like a fly on the wall listening and learning about a life quite foreign to mine. If you both could be flies on the wall and learn about a different life, what would you choose? Mm. Very interesting. What? I know my answer. I'm dying to hear. I would be a fly on the wall of a sheep farmer in the Shetland Islands. Ah, this is so not surprising. <laughs> and the person who gets the wool once it's sheared, the carter spinner person. I want to be in that whole thing. Sarah, I my answer couldn't be more different. I know. I was dying to hear yours. I would <laughs> love to be a fly on the wall of either the 
Beverly Hills Housewives or the New York Housewives. I feel like I could have anticipated this. (laughs) I am fascinated with these women. I'm fascinated with how they shoot the show. I'm fascinated to know how much is real and how much is sort of produced. I want to know, are they really friends? I want to know if it's as fun as it looks. Like, to me, shooting that show seems like a blast. So I would love... (laughs) <laughs> to know everything there is to know about The Real Housewives and just sit there and watch. I could do that. I bet I could just sit in a room and watch The Housewives for months on end and be perfectly entertained. Do you put that above, well, obviously, because you said them first, but I thought you might have said Jeff Lewis, the real estate guy. Um, I'm more interested in The Housewives because their dynamics are interesting to me, whereas Jeff is just like his own siloed thing. Right. More so. Right. Gotcha. Uh, But I am really interested in reality TV. (sighs) That is such an interesting question. I'd love to hear from our listeners. Like, if they could be a fly on the wall, who would it be? Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com and we'll have an update with some people's answers. Yes. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, here's a question for you, and it's a big one. Speaking of being an only parent, Mm -hmm. somebody says, question for Sarah, what do you wish you knew about choosing to only parent before you decided to only parent? Thanks. And it's signed, a woman who is debating only parenting. Oh, well, of course, I love this question. The biggest one, I wish I had known sooner that I wanted to, although I knew sooner, I should have just done it sooner. Um, I wish I knew that the earlier you do it, the better. If you think it's going to be the road you're going to go down, just do it. Because when it takes time, whatever method you choose, time is involved. Yes. Every now and then, someone will get pregnant really fast or an adoption will come through really fast. Usually, it takes a lot of kind of prep time and whatever. So I wish that my thinking phase had been shorter. I wish I had moved with more haste. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that I am an only parent, what do I wish I had known? Well, there's this weird thing that happens. Liz will be like, oh, I went to Menchie's at 
nine o'clock or like mm-hmm. I went and got right. a massage at nine o'clock, although I don't know where you go at nine o'clock. Where do you uh, go at nine o'clock to get a massage? There's foot massage places in the valley <laughs> that are open quite late. And yes. these are legitimate establishments <laughs> for anyone who's wondering. And that's the kind of thing that you can't do as an only right. parent. It's really just the kind of time flexibility yes. that, you know, for a good solid, I don't know, 11 years, you're not going out at night unless you organize it in advance. Right. And pay. Yes. So it's that that I sort of knew but didn't really think about the kind of practical implications of. So that's the only thing. It's not that big a deal. I mean, as someone who's outside of it, but obviously watched your entire journey, um, I would say a couple things. One, you also often mention that it's easier in many ways than co-parenting. Oh, God, There yes. are advantages because you get to make all the decisions and you're not constantly negotiating with another parent about your parenting techniques. So yes. that and that can actually make it easier. I feel bad talking about that sometimes because <laughs> so many people are parenting with other people, but it's really true. I do feel like so much of parenting is simpler alone. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, uh, married people. And then the other thing is, as someone who, again, was at your side when you were contemplating all this, I think there's such a push in the the people who are in the lives of people who are contemplating this, often, myself included, are like, oh, wait a couple years. You're young. You might meet someone. And what if you meet someone and then you already have a baby? It'll mess everything up. And like, just wait. And I, why don't you internet date and like, keep trying because you're not, you shouldn't do it yet. And I personally regret having had that sort of notion. And I know other people in your life would also say things like that all the time. And I think try to ignore those voices because those voices aren't living your life. Like at the end of the day, it's always great to have a baby. So, you know, who, so great. You meet someone once you have a baby. Happens all the time. Yes. So don't worry about those voices. Just listen to yourself. That is really good advice. And you should release any regrets you feel about that. Well, but you know what I mean? Because I think that comes from a place of very good intentions. But you're right. If you're in the position that I was in and that this listener is in, you really do just have to listen to yourself. Yes. And it's okay. Do it. Yes. That's our advice. It's awesome. Okay, and then many people wanted us to talk about how we deal with uncertainty in our career. Turns out it's not just us who has these levels of uncertainty. Yes, and it's not just people in Hollywood. It's people all over. Yes, so Amy wrote, You've mentioned that you had a big industry change this year, one that is really affecting your everyday life at work. How have you found the best ways to cope with this, especially with the uncertainty and not knowing how it's going to end? I find I'm going through a similar thing with being a director of a pediatric physical and occupational therapy practice and healthcare issues. Over the last 20 years of my career, the industry has changed year by year and not for the better. It's causing major work midlife crises, and I would love any suggestions, discussion on how to cope and move forward to enjoy the career I've invested so much in. For goodness sake, I'm still paying off my PT med school loans. 
Oh, my God, this is so tough. The change she's talking about, well, there's so many changes in the entertainment industry. It's honestly impossible to even keep up with the changes. I think the one she's referring to is the fact that right now the WGA is in a conflict with the ATA, which is— Association of Talent Agents. So right now— We are without an agent, and so we're kind of having to navigate this landscape on our own, although we do have a lawyer. (sighs) Boy, it's hard because it feels like so many industries have changed and not for the better, and it's really frustrating. Our industry in some ways has changed for the better and in some ways not. I mean, the whole agent thing aside, there's just a lot of other changes. What's your advice? Well, I will say I think for us it's easier because we're a team. Yes, so we can Um, bounce things off each other. Yes, and having, it's like in uh, grade school, you have your buddy who you hold hands Mm -hmm. with and go on walks with when you're walking through the museum or whatever. I think having that person makes it easier. So one thing that I would suggest for Amy is to kind of, Find a buddy who's going through the same thing as you, who you can just... Or start a group even. Like four people who have dinner every month and just bitch about what they don't like and try to encourage each other about how to handle situations. Yeah, I think having someone to talk to is huge. And trying to... And this may be impossible, and we try to do it a lot, and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong, but trying to look forward and Mm -hmm. see where it's going so you don't get punched in the face when it arrives in a surprising way. Yes, my new, one of my new mottos to live by, I mean, I've talked about this on Happier with my sister Gretchen Rubin, is step into the future. Oh. Instead of clinging to the past, step into the future. And that's what you and I are really trying to do. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is if it's really bad, start a side hustle. Yeah. Because if work is not as fun as you want it to be or it feels limiting or frustrating, it's paying less than it used to or, you know, whatever is going on, Having a side hustle, and I, of course I have to plug Chris Gillibo's show, Side Hustle School. His podcast is amazing and talking about side hustles. I really think having a side hustle gives you a sense of control back. Yeah. And I think that takes the pressure off the day job. And hopefully it's a side hustle that brings you joy. Yes. And it's just something to help. You know, hopefully you earn a little money. You could end up earning a lot of money and it becomes your full-time job. But even if it's just a little something, it just helps alleviate all the pressure on that primary job. Yeah. So good luck. We feel your pain. You know, it's hard for everybody. Yeah. And then Allie asked a similar but different question. Hi, ladies. I would love to know how you both have handled the financial side of such an insane and insecure career path. What are the best steps to take and habits to develop to ensure financial security as a TV writer? And then she says, asking for a friend. Who is me? (laughs) Oh, great question. Yeah. I mean, Allie. It's tough. Yeah. Number one thing. Any year that you make enough money, put as much as you legally can into your retirement. Yes. That is number one. Yes. By the way, we're giving advice that we don't always take. Well, I always do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. (laughs) But, well, I mean, uh, not like, 
there's plenty of retirement savings I don't have, but right. but <laughs> anyway, I always save something every year. Yes. Um, here's what I'll say. I really wish that we had thought more about this and talked more about it. And I wish that I had been sort of planning more for insecurity than I have been. I tend to think, oh, I'm making this much now. I'm going to keep making this. Even though I will say people told us time and again not to think that way. Yes, like we say, Jeff Bell, who was one of our first bosses, said you should have enough money saved to live on for— Two years. Yeah, two years, which, of course, seems crazy to me. That. It's great advice. I mean, and we definitely tell people who are just starting out, like we told Brooke, our old assistant who was a staff writer on The Fix, make sure you save your money because yes. you just, especially in those beginning years, don't know what's going to happen next and how long it's going to be before you get that next job. So live below your means. Yeah. Also, I mean, I'm back to the side hustle thing, but any avenue toward making money in other ways can be helpful. For instance, you and I have both written young adult books. Yeah. It's nice to know that, say, we had a strike. Hopefully, we could write a book and sell it. So, like, always be thinking about other avenues for your talent that aren't just TV writing. It's the side hustle again. It's the side hustle. Everybody needs a side hustle these days. And it's very emotionally and psychologically draining, and that's part of what Allie's talking about. And I think the only advice I have there is just over time you get used to it. You really, really do. And I think knowing that it's something that you're going to have to get used to will help you do it faster. Yes. And just accepting that if this is the career path you're choosing, this is part of it. Yes. Yeah. There's and no universe where it's not unless you create Seinfeld or something. Yes. Which, God bless. There's very few people who don't deal with financial insecurity in, in this business. any environment, usually. Well, I mean, in any business, really. Well, that's true. More and more people change jobs. The whole, like, 35 years at a company and retiring with the gold watch seems to be— uh, gone. Yeah. So I think everyone deals with financial insecurity. Yeah. And taking control of your own finances. There are so many budgeting apps. I never use them, but there are many people who do and who swear by them. I certainly think I should. Yeah. <laughs> we both should. Yeah. I'm giving advice I don't take. Mm-hmm. And then I thought this was interesting, Sarah. We had a few questions about our new office situation at your house. Yes. Tara wrote... I've just listened to the latest episode where you talk about your exciting new office and creating a room of your own. I couldn't help but be a bit surprised that you will be working from Sarah's house. Obviously, there are so many upsides to having an office at home, but will Liz feel like it's her office as much as Sarah's? Sarah, will you feel able to compartmentalize personal and work life? I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether these are even issues for you, and if they are, how you might deal with them. Well, I'll just speak for myself first. It doesn't bother me at all. I mean, yes, it does feel like your office. It doesn't feel like my office, but nor do I care. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just in your office. And we do work at my house sometimes. Like, just it works out. Sort of geographical. Yes, just to to make (laughs) sense. So it doesn't bother me at all. The only thing is, of course, you know, then I have to drive there and home. That, right. That's the only bummer, but I was My doing that anyway. My house is closer than Disney to you. Yes, it that's is. Something. It's also very close to Jack's school. So it's very, very convenient for me. Yes. Well, what about you, though? I think the question she asked you is actually potentially more relevant because I get that it could be hard to separate work and home. 
I mean, I feel like our work bleeds into our life so much anyway that for me, it's just nice to have kind of taken back that room, which was really just like a place where a bunch of junk was piled. You've actually added square footage to your house. I totally have. It is literally having a whole new room in the house. And that is fantastic. I feel, and it's interesting because you're like, yeah, it's your office. It's all fine. I feel pressure to make it like a nice space. And I feel like it's really hot in the summer. That particular room is really hot. And then I feel guilty that it's really hot because I'm like, why is my room not perfect? You You shouldn't feel guilty, nor should you feel pressure. You know (laughs) me. I'm totally oblivious to my environment. I couldn't care less. (laughs) I know, which is wonderful for me because I feel guilty about everything. So it actually works out very nicely. Um, yeah, it has pushed you <laughs> to make it a very nice office. I know. I'm getting really very, excited very about nice. it. It's still a little in process, but it's going to be great. Uh, the biggest problem probably is that, like, if Violet comes home, then, of course, she wants your attention. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's it's not it's just not that big of a deal. Yeah. We're both pretty, you know, chill. Also, I mean, again, we've gone through other periods in our career where we've not been officially in an office. So it's not that weird for us. Right, exactly. It's just kind of, you know. It's all cyclical. Yeah. And then my favorite question was from Heidi, who wrote, I loved hearing about your plans to set up and decorate your home office space, but you didn't answer my most pressing question. How does Liz feel about working in the same building that is home to Violet's guinea pigs? I was very nervous (laughs) that this might be a deal breaker for your partnership. Okay, well, I will say I don't love that, but I don't go in the living room, which is where the guinea pigs are. I steer completely clear of the (laughs) guinea pig's cage. And like the other day, Violet was like, here, do you want to see the guinea pig? And I was like, absolutely not. I have no interest. I don't want that thing anywhere near me. So I basically just pretend they're not there. In my mind, they don't exist. It is hard, though, because Violet loves nothing more than for people to snuggle her guinea pigs. (laughs) It is so gross. I have no interest in that. Uh, But I'm dealing with it. Thank you for caring, Heidi. (laughs) Pamela asks an interesting question. Have you ever based characters on people you know? Why or why not? Mm. Well, we definitely base parts of characters on people we know. Yes. And ourselves. Yeah. I think maybe because we have the same frames of reference, it's easy for us To be like, you know, like so-and-so. Like, Mm -hmm. we were just having a conversation about how a character in a pilot that we're doing has elements of Gretchen. Yes. Um, My sister, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I just think because we know many of the same people and have such a long history, it's an easy shorthand for us. Yes. And, like, sometimes we'll reference someone we went to high school with. Just some mannerism they had or, you know, something about them will kind of pop up for us. Um, In fact, it's actually funny when we're in the room because we'll often be like, well, you know, it's like uh, it's like Missy. And and people are like, who's Missy? You know, and um, it's like, oh, our friend from high school. You know, so it's just funny because we will reference people. Yes. (laughs) um, And then um, no one will have any clue what we're talking about. And for a long time... This isn't basing a character on someone, but in every pilot we did, we named a character Walton. Yes. Um, after Walton Goggins, who was an actor on The Shield. He was Shane on The Shield. Yeah, just because we love Walton. We, we love, love him and, and we love, love his name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. 
my gosh, Liz, we got so many great questions. I know. We could not answer them all, but you know what? We will have more listener questions episodes and answer more questions, and we love reading your questions. So everybody, keep them coming. Send us an email or a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com, and hopefully we will at some point answer your question. Yes. Okay, Sarah, it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack, and it comes from our listener, Erin. She says... My hack is to keep a $20 bill in between my phone and the case. It's saved me multiple times when arriving at a cash-only parking lot or running into a grocery store without my wallet. A key part of this is to immediately replace the cash if it's spent. Ugh. I mean, there are so many times when this would have saved my ass. Yes, like you were telling me you actually drove— with Violet to the Natural History Museum. Which is it, a long way. Which is a long way. And <laughs> yeah. then you had to leave. Yeah, because you have to pay cash to park. And all the other parking was full. Mm. And there was nowhere to park. So I had to drive home. I just got a pedicure. And you have to have cash for a tip. Yes. And I should. I didn't have cash. Like, you're much better at carrying I cash than me. I always have cash. Yes. And I did not. So then I had to, like, go to the bank. Like, this could have saved so much time in my life. Yeah, and I will say I always, because I am very cash sensitive, I always do keep a $20 bill like in my bandolier little pouch. Yeah. But I often forget it's there. (laughs) So there have been times when I have like not had my purse and needed money for coffee or something. Uh. And then I've been like, oh, darn, I can't get a cup of coffee. And then like five hours later, I'll remember, oh, wait, I had $20. So I I need to work on remembering it's there. Yes, I I'm much better at carrying cash now that I have my bandolier. This mm. is turning into an ad for bandolier, but yeah. <laughs> we do love ours. It's not an it's not an ad, but this is a great hack. Yes. Keep a $20 bill in your phone case. Thank you, Aaron. And that's it for this very special listener questions episode of Happier in Hollywood. Thank you again for all of the fantastic questions. You can always send us more, email us, or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And as always, we beg you to subscribe if you haven't already. <laughs> Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thanks to Cadence13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and the new podcast from Whole30's Melissa Urban, Do the Thing. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft, and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. My favorite question was definitely the one about the guinea pig. I know. There's nothing Violet likes more than, like, having people come in the house to cuddle her guinea pigs. She will literally invite people in off the street. Oh. So just heads up. Yeah, not going to happen. There's a guinea pig in your arms. Not going to happen. One day soon. <laughs> From the Onward Project.